Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We are a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoy this week's message by Pastor Dwight Bennett. Over the last uh, couple months, I've just been meditating uh, on Proverbs uh, 11. And the Proverbs are all amazing, but how many of y'all get to a place to where one just really uh, hits you and you just over and over and over and over and over again, you just can't get out of the place that you are? And how many of you would agree with me? The Bible is like a matrix. You can read it one time and you can read this same proverb uh, 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 15, 18 months later and it has a completely different meaning to it. Uh, the, the, the place and the meaning of the word I'm finding in my life is because God uses the exact place that I am to use that particular word to move me to the place that he needs me to be. And one of the things that I just absolutely love is that we as believers are privy to the inside information of God. We get information that those who are outside of the kingdom, they are uh, uh, not able to receive because, as I've said many times before, when we say yes to Jesus Christ, there are believer benefits that come along with that. And today we're going to talk about some of those things. My message today is entitled, Things Unknown. Things Unknown. And the interesting thing about things unknown are that when we pursue God, the things that are unknown, they become incredibly clear. They become uh, things that uh, uh, we can not only see, but we can use in our life. They become uh, what used to be just simple mysteries and wonders about, wow, how could that possibly be? And, and what would God, how could God actually do the things that he does? And, and then when we get into the idea of, of pressing into God, growing in our relationship, the Bible just becomes alive to us. I know that when I began asking the Holy Spirit to reveal different things of God's word to me, when I was a, a, a young and a new believer, I began to see something incredible happen that I didn't know. It was, it was as if I was watching a movie when I was reading the word. It went from words on a page to, to actually, I could almost visualize myself walking on the streets if I was reading the story of Jesus ministering to the lepers, I could almost see myself walking beside him and going, Jesus, they're lepers. Oh, my gosh, don't you know they're lepers? Don't touch them, you know. And, and, and watching Jesus just draw close to the lepers and him pouring his love out to them and, and seeing lives transformed. And that's the uh, beauty of the word of God. It takes things that are unknown to us in the natural. And it reveals things uh, through our spirits that enable us to do and to be the things that God has so destined for us to be. And when you look at something like Proverbs 11, and we're going to focus on, uh, uh, we're going to read the whole proverb, but we're also going to stop and focus on three particular areas that I just wanted to share with you today uh, that we could uh, just know that the simplicity of the Word of God is there for us to use every day in helping us to walk into the place of destiny that God has in store for us. And so let's pray. 
Father, I thank you for this day. It's the day you've made. I thank you, God, that uh, your word says that when we wake up, as soon as our eyes are open, that your mercies are new. Great is your faithfulness. We thank you, God, that your word says that you'll never leave us or forsake us. We might be in that place to where we wonder like the disciples when their boat was in a storm, where are you, God? But we always know when we are in that place of where are you, God, that you always show up right when we need you. And so, Father, today, I'm, I'm asking that you would uh, enlighten Proverbs 11 to us as a, as a body. I pray that you would enlighten the things that are unknown to us so that we can come to that place of freely walking, freely knowing, freely moving in those uh, aspects of life that you've called us to. And Father, I thank you that even as we sang today, what a beautiful and wonderful name that we have in our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, Father, today we just give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So when we look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I just want to uh, lead into where I want to go today. We see that the Bible talks about these ultimate things, these mysteries that life has in store for us. These things that have a, uh, a DNA, they, they have a formula, they, they have life to them, but they might not be in the same formula or in the same life that you might learn them in something like a university. How do we get to these things? Well, we know this. The scriptures in verse 9, uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says this. It says that that is what the scriptures mean when they say no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, and no mind has imagined. No mind has imagined. You know, the Bible tells us that his thoughts are higher than ours. His ways are greater than our ways. And so when we get into this place of pursuing God, we get into the place where not even our imaginations can take us to the depth of what God is going to reveal to us. No mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who what? Who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his life searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And when we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. And when we tell you these things... We do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. What the Apostle Paul is trying to, to say to the church in Corinth here is that there is another level of revelation that comes to those who know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. There's things that are unknown in the physical world that can come to us only into the place of the spiritual world that we live in. We live in a spiritual world. We are spiritual beings. But the interesting thing about life is, is that people choose to believe 
what they want to believe. They choose to operate in how they want to operate. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, we see this, how people choose to operate, because the Apostle Paul says the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved, we know it's the very power of God. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven. It is foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say, it's all nonsense. Seems like uh, those are things that maybe are still relevant even to this day. But we know this, that God, when he brings us into the things that are unknown, he has that place opened up for us so that the things of his kingdom can be manifest to us. Turn with me, if you would, to James, the book of James. Let's look at the book of James. Y'all doing good today? Everybody okay? Everybody stayed up too late last night? I realize that. Hallelujah. James chapter uh, 1, verse 5 says this. Because we're talking about how does God reveal things to us? What, what, does God, what means does he use? The Bible says in the book of James, it says, If you need wisdom... Ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as the wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything that they do. Folks, there comes a time in your walk with God when your maturity starts to develop to a, 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 a higher place that you have to begin to choose. You have to begin to choose, am I going to bring in the wisdom of my old man into the place that I am in my Christian walk, or am I going to work to... Uh, uh, bring the new found wisdom of God into my life and walk in it alone. Because when we get to the place to where we're going to try to do it both ways, the Bible says that we become like somebody who is uh, blown into the wind, where uh, we're, uh, uh, our minds are, are doubters, where we become uh, double-minded. And the, and the Bible is clear that a double-minded person is unstable in all of his ways. But there's a way, the Bible says, that, that uh, can show us not only the pathway that we need to go, but it can bring us to a place of, of maturity, prosperity. It can bring us to a place of excitement and adventure that only God can ultimately take us to. Now, when we think of this in a bigger picture, 
uh, we, we can go to Ephesians chapter 1, and when we think of the ideology that before the foundations of the earth were ever made, that God had us in mind, this particular destiny, this seat that you're in this morning, this plan that he has for your life, he's thought of that even before the, the beginning of the earth, before creation, and the wisdom that he brings in our life helps us to be able to fulfill that which he has established and attempted to establish in us from the beginning of time. So what does this look like when we go to something like uh, Proverbs chapter 11 and we try to pair that in our lives and to try to gain what we can out of something like this proverb to help us to walk into the place that God has in store for our lives. Okay, turn with me now to Proverbs chapter 11. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1, it says, well, before I, before I share that, this is just simple wisdom. These are just things that God has to share with us that when we marry them into our everyday walk, the fruit that God has in store for our life begins to be poured out abundantly among us. The idea of the Proverbs is just that, wisdom to live our life by. The things that we might not know, the things that are unknown, we can get a revelation through the Proverbs, we can embrace it, and as we begin to walk in it, you begin to see the fruit of those things that God wants to do in and through our lives. So the Lord detests the use of dishonest scales, but he delights in accurate weights. He loves business people who are honest, people who, who do things with integrity. Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Honest guides, uh, good, honesty guides good people. Dishonesty destroys treacherous people. Now, listen to verse 4, and think of what Isaiah was sharing with us last week. It says, riches won't help on the day of judgment, but right living can save you from death. In other words, the Bible is talking about you can build up every natural resource here on earth, but when it comes time for you to face the eternity of where you're going to be, not one dime of those riches are going to be able to be significant at all when it comes to your eternity. Isn't it interesting when Isaiah used Deuteronomy 32.29 last week and he talked about what we focus on now will ultimately prepare us for the day of our destiny. And if we are focusing on riches, if we're focusing on success, if we're focusing on what's good for us, if we're focusing on all of those things of life outside of the kingdom, is it any wonder that when so many people come to the end of their life and they're facing death, that fear is the one thing that they find the greatest when they face death. Well, the reality is, is because they've been building up everything along the way and not focusing on the ultimate part of their destiny. And so when that part comes, it becomes a place where they're uncomfortable. It becomes a place to where uh, they don't know for sure. You see, if, if you were to tell me today on what is today, September 4th, 2022, what my ultimate fate in life is going to be, I would tell you, none of us are going to get out of here alive. 
And my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And so I don't have to stand here today wondering in that day when I will die, where my fate lies. Because my focus has been for the last 35 years of my life on Jesus Christ and how amazing he is. And so, but when we are not in that place of focus, when we're about building our own kingdom and not understanding his, then that's where so often the unknown of death comes in and people have more fear than they have excitement. More fear than they have excitement. Or they get into a place where they'll say, Oh, you know, sister so-and-so, she was only this age when she passed away. You know, what a tragedy. It's like, no, sister so-and-so might have been 52, but she loved Jesus and she's going to live with him forever. Her ultimate reward, you could not give sister so-and-so a greater prize than to be with Jesus. But when, if that's not your focus then when those things happen, then what comes upon you are things of fear. What did David have to say about this topic? Turn with me to Psalm chapter 90, and let's look at what David has to say about this very issue, this very topic. So in Psalm 90, verse 12, it says this, And Billy Graham, when he came to Columbus, this is exactly what he said. This was when Billy Graham was 75, and somebody asked him, what is the thing that has surprised you most about life? And he said, what has surprised me most is the brevity of life. That I'm 75 years old and I have no idea how I got to be 75 so quickly. I don't know about you all, but I turned 60 this year, and I thought to myself, where in the world did the other 59 years go? How did that happen so quickly? And David says this about that topic. He says, teach us to realize the brevity of life. We're only here for, as uh, uh, statistics show, 74.9 years for, for men, 79 years for women. God bless you guys, you ladies. Us men, we take such good care of you that God allows you to live for five more years than he allows us to live. Oh, some of you ladies, you didn't like that at all. Hallelujah. <laughs> Teach us to realize the brevity of life. Now listen to what he says so that we may grow in wisdom. David is saying, if we understood the brevity of life, then we would be way more purposeful to grow in the wisdom of the things of God. Our focus would be a little different. Our transition process would be a little easier. The idea of death would not be something that we fear. Folks, let me just say this to you. Don't fear death. Be excited for it. Now, I'm not in a hurry to get there, okay? I want to see, I want to see Micah get married. I want to see uh, my great-grandchildren. I want to see all of that. But I'm, but I'm not going to take my eyes off the prize, and that is the high calling of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to take my eyes off of what God himself gave such 
uh, 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 so much of his own self when he gave Jesus Christ to be our personal Savior and die on a cross. I'm not going to lose sight of that. Verse 13 says, O oh Lord, come back to us. How long will you delay? Take pity on your servants. Listen to verse 14. Satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love so we may sing for joy at the what? End of our lives. Come on now. This is, this is a process. It happens each morning. It happens every day. Look, these aren't the best days of my physical life right now. They're just not. I mean, this thing hurts. It still hurts. It hurt last night, this morning at 2 in the morning. It hurt. But you know what? Those aren't the things that make my eternity. These are the things that are temporary and bring us to a revelation of how good God is. As a matter of fact, life is what you make out of it, how you perceive it, what, what, uh, what kind of internal fortitude that you have in the midst of who you are in Christ. I could look at this shoulder surgery in a hundred different ways. I could say, God, I went to Africa to serve you and, and, and you let me get in a car wreck and my shoulder's a mess and what are you doing, God? Or I could say, Father, this is what I do say. Every time I feel this pain, you saved my life. I know you saved my life. I'm here to live another day. I've got tremendous destiny in the days ahead of me. And this too shall pass. And then I say, I'm one day closer to golfing again. Hallelujah. <laughs> Folks, if we don't have joy, if we can't laugh, then what good is the journey? Come on, Come on now. I mean, God's a good God. And verse 14, the, the psalmist writes, Satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love. Why? Because when you are touched each day with how much God loves you, you're never the same. But when we take our eyes and that's not our focus and we wake up in the morning because we got to grind it out for another day. We got to go to a job we don't like to go to. We got to do the things that aren't bearing us any fruit. We're just trying to make it through 24 again. So when Monday comes, you know, we can get to Tuesday. You know, we wake up on Monday and we say, oh my gosh, it's Monday. It's like, guys, you're missing Monday. It's a beautiful day. It's not the day that ends your weekend. It's the day that starts your next week. It's all a matter of perspective. Monday is a great day. Always has been and it always will be. Why? Because God never makes a bad day. He never makes a bad day. It's just on how we perceive the day he made. And so when you become satisfied each morning in God's unfailing love, listen to what will happen. You will sing for joy at the end of your life. You know, death is not a punishment. It's a promotion. You know, Christians don't, they don't necessarily die. They go from a physical death to a new birth, a spiritual birth. We never die. And so why is it so hard for us to get to the place to where the greatest reward that we could ever have is something that is so hard to receive? Verse 15, give us gladness in proportion to our former misery. Replace the evil years with the good. 
Listen to 16. Let us, your servants, see you work again. Let our children see your glory. I don't know about you, but Johnny, I'm excited for you because you have parents that love Jesus. And I know that they wake up and are full of the Lord and you get to be the beneficiary of that. And when you grow up to be their age, you're going to pass this joy on to your children as well, because this is a generational blessing. Teach us every day to be able to show that kind of goodness and gladness uh, 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 of who we are. Let our children see your glory. Second thing I want to say to you about this scripture is this. Look ahead. Plan ahead. Have something on your schedule that you're excited about. Sit together. Tammy and I sit together and we all the time say, where are we going to go this year? Where are we going to cut out time where it's just you and I and none of y'all and none of the millions of people in Africa, none of the people in Mexico. It's just her and I. We look forward to that time. If it's October 7th, we'll say in the midst of a trying day, October 7th is coming. We got something to look forward to. Always have something to look forward to. And with God, that should be easy because he's amazing. Now, verse 17. And may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, make our efforts successful. See, this is the kind of God that we serve. He is the God that watches over us and keeps us. And I could go right into Psalm 91 because it's under the shadow of his wings that he protects us. But John chapter 14 says this, it says, Jesus told us that he goes to prepare a place for us. Do y'all wonder, uh, 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 Donnie, who the construction foreman is in heaven that's putting together these houses? You built some good stuff, bro, but you ain't building nothing like those mansions in heaven. Come on now. I mean, have you ever thought about what your God is going ahead of you to prepare for you? He did not say that I go to prepare for you a 480 square foot room that may have air conditioning, that could have this. No, he says I go before you and I prepare a mansion for you in heavenly places. That's who our God is. And when we become focused on the things of, of what God actually says are ours for the taking, if that is our focus now in enjoying and thinking ahead and preparing and living life joyfully as we go through in this journey, when you take your last breath, your last breath will be taken with the satisfaction of knowing that you are in the presence of your king. Hallelujah. This is a good thing and not a thing to be feared. See, that's what the enemy's the number one tactic is, is to bring fear into people's lives. You know, the people who have gone before us, they are in this great cloud of witnesses cheering us on, I believe, because I have a football mentality. I think there's a horseshoe in the sky full of all kinds of believers that are just cheering us on so that we can cross the goal line of life. Amen? Amen. Everybody with me this morning? Riches won't help you in the day of judgment. Oh, yeah. Pastor preached a good message today. He said we should all be poor 
and that we're, you know, we should focus on martyrdom and poverty. Uh, no, that's not what I just said to you. I want you all to be rich. You know why? Because it'll be easier for you to give. And the more you give, the more kingdom work that can be done. I did not say that. Strike that from the record. But riches will not help you in the day of judgment. Of only Jesus. Only Jesus. Somebody say that. Only Jesus. Say it again. Only Jesus will be able to help us in that day of judgment. Verse 5. Let's keep moving on. Um, uh, oh, there we go. We got time. Oh, man, I got plenty of time. This is beautiful. The godly, verse 5 says... And listen, listen, take this in. This is how we live. The godly are directed by honesty. The wicked fall beneath their load of sin. The, uh, the godliness of good people rescues them. The ambition of, of treacherous people traps them. When the wicked die, their hopes die with them. Come on, somebody. When the wicked die, their hopes die with them for they rely on their own feeble strength okay now verse 8 the godly are rescued from trouble when it falls on uh, and it falls on the wicked instead verse 8 is a is a powerful uh text of scripture the godly are rescued from trouble we see that time and time throughout the bible you know, I was reading through Nehemiah this week, and I thought, here's a guy who had a heart for a city that was destroyed, a people that he loved, people that had been, you know, burned out of their city. One man had a heart to do something incredible. The godly are rescued from trouble. God put it on Nehemiah's heart. Now listen to this. Nehemiah went to the king, won favor with him. Why? Because Nehemiah was a good dude. Nehemiah had joy. He came into the king. He had to have had joy every day because the king recognized that Nehemiah was not full of joy that day. You know, yesterday, uh, if you don't mind me sharing, Chris, uh, we were in my office together before the wedding, and Chris looked at me and he goes, Pastor, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay. No, he goes, no, are you, are you okay? And I said, I'm okay. He goes, I think you're in a lot of pain. I said, I think you're right, but I'm okay. You know, because he noticed, you know, because, you know, he said, yeah, because, you know, you're always like, you know, and it's like, well, I am like that. But the king noticed that in Nehemiah. He said, you know, what's wrong with you? And, and then he shared his heart, and the king gave him favor. And then once the king's favor was upon him, then he went to the people of Jerusalem, gathered a group of people, shared the plan with them, and then their favor then became on Nehemiah as well. And then what happened when you have the favor of God and man, what happens is, and then the plans of God begin to transpire. Incredible things begin to happen. Miracle works that nobody can, they're things that are unknown. Be, things that nobody could ever even dream possible. Once you have the favor of God and man, then they become yours. And then you get to be a part of it. And then you get to sit around and pinch yourself all the time because God is so amazing. The godly are rescued from trouble. How many years did the Israelites sit in Egypt under the oppression of the pharaohs? 
When God sent Moses, somebody who had been out in the wilderness for 40 years of preparation, brought Moses back into a place to where he became the one who uh, was the catalyst of rescue for those who were in trouble. God's people who could not find any other way out except there be a deliverer. And Moses said yes. So many of you out here, you are the deliverer of those people in your family. You are the deliverer of those people in your workplace that are going astray, have no opportunity to find Jesus. You are the Moses that God has sent into those areas to bring people to a place of freedom and, and revelation of who God is. Verse 8, the godly are rescued from trouble. We see in the story of Esther that Haman was planning to destroy the Jews. And God uh, uh, brought a, a, a lady named Esther who was taken out of the place of her comfort, brought into a place she didn't want to be. But when the time came to be the rescuer, what did she say? She said, if I perish, I perish. Why? Because she knew her God was so good. And if she died for him, it would be worth every part of the, the life that she had lived. You see, God brings the, uh, us into a place to where we are rescued from our place of trouble. You might be in a place of trouble right now. You might be in a place that you're uncomfortable with. You might be going through a situation that you don't want to have in your life. And I say to, this to you, hang on because your rescuer is going to bring help along your pathway. The godly are rescued from trouble. And I don't have to go in to the testimony of Pastor D and how God has rescued me from that place of trouble. But I know this, that God is good and his word is alive. Verse 9, with their words, the godless destroy their friends, but knowledge will rescue the righteous. The whole city celebrates when the godly succeed, for they shout with joy when the, when the wicked die. Upright citizens are good for a city and make it prosper, but the talk of the wicked tears it apart. It is foolish to belittle one's neighbor. A sensible person keeps his mouth shut. Keeps his mouth shut. You know, in relationships, some of the greatest things that have brought the most healing are the words that were never said. The words that were never said. And we have to get into a place in life that we don't have to be the smartest person in the room. This isn't a, life is not a Seinfeld episode. It's a reality place. Life is not an office episode. It's a reality situation. And some of the greatest things a believer can do is to have the wisdom to say nothing at all. Gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. Without wise leadership, a nation falls. There is safety in having many advisors. If I could say that to any of you, there is so much wisdom in this room. And I tell you what, I know a lot of things, but I'm not an expert on things. 
And when I need somebody's wisdom, Jim, I call, right? I mean, I don't have any problem being humble and calling. If I have a, well, of course, I'm, I was going to use a building example, but y'all know that I can't build two toothpicks together. But uh, so that's why I call Donnie when I have a building issue. Hallelujah. But the whole idea is this, is that uh, many advisors uh, bring safety to us. There's danger in putting up security for a stranger's debt. It's safer not to guarantee another person's debt. Now, this proverb talks about a stranger's debt, but other proverbs talk about anyone's debt. That when you get into the place, and I know that this is not a popular topic, okay, I get it, but I didn't, I'm not running for student council today, okay? I already did that, I already won that race. Today I'm trying to save people from heartache. Do not sign for a loan for somebody that can't afford it on their own. If they can't afford it on their own, nine times out of ten, it's because they've made a ton of bad decisions that they've got terrible credit. And then when you sign for somebody, when you become surety, when you become the co-signer, that is not their loan. That is your loan. Why? Because you have an 800 Beacons rating and the bank has no problem loaning you the money because if that person falters and fails, they know the person that has an 800 Beacons rating is not going to let their credit crumble. Do not sign for somebody else's loans. If, if you learned anything from today's message. <laughs> Word. Okay, verse 16. And if you didn't like that, wait a minute. What, what's Caleb's email address? Yeah. Yes, okay. Uh, call, right, pastorcaleb.yahoo.com. Got you, buddy. Uh, yeah. It's not funny when it comes back to you on issues like uh, uh, this type. Okay. Yeah, don't talk to me about that. Talk to Caleb about that. Hallelujah. A gracious woman gains respect, but ruthless men gain only wealth. Your kindness, listen to verse 17, will reward you, but your cruelty will destroy you. Even evil people get rich for the moment, but the reward of the godly will last. Godly people find life. Godly people find life. I mean, guys, you know, seriously, godly people find life. And they, and they share life, and they do life, and they encourage life in other people. And I can't rest there because I'm going to end on time today. Uh, the Lord detests people with crooked hearts, but he delights in those with integrity. Evil people will surely be punished, but the children of the godly will go free. A beautiful woman who lacks discretion is like a gold rings in a pig's snout. That's interesting. A beautiful woman who lacks discretion is like a gold ring in a pig's snout. I didn't say that. I just read it. Verse 23, the godly look for... Okay, this is where I want to end my message today. Okay? In this next grouping of... of this next text of scripture. The godly can look forward to a reward, but the wicked can only expect judgment. The godly can look forward to a reward. Verse 24... Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. I'm about to share wisdom from Solomon that is not taught in any business school in America. 
I'm about to teach you things that the Fisher College of Business that is in, at The Ohio State University to get into the Fisher College of Business to get your MBA, you have to have some of the best grades and some of the best recommendations. It is the best, one of the best business schools in all of the United States, but they do not teach the wisdom of King Solomon. Now, I want you to think for a minute. Now, I'm a finance major. You guys know that. And I've learned a lot of great things in those situations that have prepared me to make quality decisions. But only the things that I have learned from God have taken me to another dimension. Only the things that I've learned from God have transformed me into another platitude of life. Only the things that I've learned from God have taken a pastor with just a, 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 a minimal means of income and transformed my playing field. My playing field is exactly the same as people that make three and four and five times my income. Why? Because wisdom from God, Solomon's business wisdom, can put you into a whole nother place in your life. And so these are things that you're not going to learn in a business MBA school, and I am not opposed to getting a finance MBA, okay? So let's make sure that you understand that right up front. Give freely and become more wealthy. Nobody's going to teach you that in a business school. Here's the deal, verse 25. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Ah, those who refresh others will be refreshed. Verse 26, people curse those who hoard grain, but they bless the ones who sell in time of need. These are things that you just wouldn't even think of doing. This is Joseph's stuff. You know, God gave Joseph the wisdom on how to transform of nation, didn't he? The wisest people of Joseph's time could have never prepared for a famine that was going to last seven years. But God gave Joseph the wisdom to give to the, 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 the Pharaoh, and not only was that place and all of its people blessed, but they were able to ultimately bless the nations around them. This is godly Solomon wisdom. When God can take something in, at such a little amount and that becomes a seed and that seed can be poured into something and then God grows something that only could be imagined because in our minds we cannot transform our thought process to see what God sees outside of the seeds that we plant. I've told you this testimony so many times about the apple. When we look at an apple, we just look at it. In America, we say, what's the brands? A honeysuckle, a gala, a Fuji, a uh, Macintosh, and we look at what can be made. This one's good for this apple pie. This one's good for applesauce. We do this because my wife's raised Pennsylvania Dutch. We know all of this stuff. But what we don't see 
is what is the most important part of that apple. We're so fixed on consuming the fruit that we miss the whole point of the apple. And the whole point of an apple is the five to seven seeds that rest inside of it. Because that's what God did when he created these things. He created them that once a seed falls to the ground and dies, something amazing grows out of it. And in what we consume in a beautiful apple, there's five to seven seeds in there that are preparing to have an orchard come out of that one apple. That's our God. I take apples around the world and teach this message. Hold it up. What do you see? Oh, I see an apple. Oh, what, what do you see? Oh, we see a red apple. Oh, no, what do you see? Oh, we see an apple's got a stem. Oh, no, what else? And I'm like, no, no, you're missing the point. Inside of every apple is an orchard. Inside of every biblical principle is something that grows beyond what we can ever comprehend with our own mind. But the only way that it grows is, is when we attach our faith to that principle and we apply it into our lives and we plant that in a place of our heart that only God can transform that seed into that place that he can grow it. Every time, every time you eat an apple, you should not, in your mind, you should not just enjoy the fruit. You should say, dang, I see an orchard. Because that's the way God wants us to see things. If you search for good, you will find favor. But if you search for evil, it will find you. Trust in your money and you'll go down. But the godly flourish like leaves in spring. Verse 29, those who bring trouble in their families inherit the wind. The fool will be a servant to the wise. Verse 30, listen, the seeds of good deeds become a tree of life. A wise person wins friends. And verse 31, if the righteous are rewarded here on earth, what will happen to the wicked sinners? Would you stand with me today? There's like four other points in this proverb that I could have rested on. But the reality is this, is when we begin to understand like things like the Proverbs, when we begin to apply those to our lives, they are not just the fruit of words on a page. They are words of destiny that can change our lives for all of eternity. So today, think of what you focus on. Is what you focus on eternal and not going to make any difference when it's all said and done? Or are you focusing on both? And preparing yourself for that day when you go to meet God, that it will be a celebration and not a time of fear. I tell Tammy all the time, when I die, you throw a party like there is no tomorrow. You cry, you can do all those things, but baby, kill the fatted calf, 
throw a party. The, Amy, you worship for hours when I die because, man, it's a celebration. And you guys will all be uh, 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 invited to the party. So come and be, sorry, baby, but I'm not going to be here anyway. So I, what, am I, what, do I, what do I care for? You can do that. I know you're superwoman. Hallelujah. But let that be your heart. Prepare for that day. It's a good day. And so, Father, today we thank you for this weekend that kind of represents like the end of summer. But when there's an end of something, there's always a beginning. And fall is on the way. The greatest season in my estimation. I love fall. I love everything, but I love winter and I love spring. I just love it all because you make it all, Lord. But Father, let this be a day in somebody's heart here today that something new has been birthed in their thought process. Something new has come alive inside of the way they think. Father, let something happen. Let a seed be planted today in the place of somebody's unknown that by faith, God, they're going to water and see that thing just grow to an amazing destiny in their life. Father, I thank you for Proverbs chapter 11 and all of the wisdom that flows from it. Thank you, God, for this morning we woke up and you were there in the midst of this day and every day that you are in is a good day, Father. And so, Father, today, as we move forward in this weekend, let families be united. Father, let things of the Lord be passed down to the generations. Let the joy of the Lord be our strength. Father, let the fruitfulness of the kingdom of God resonate in and through each one of us. Father, let us gladly accept the idea that we truly are the Moseses of our situations that you have placed us into. Father, help us, God, to be those who part the Red Seas for so many people, Father, who are hopeless and helpless, God. Father, what an honor it is to be a kid of the king and to be in the place that you've called us to be. Father, I thank you for Redeemer's Church. What a place of destiny. What a house that loves to worship you. What a great group of people, God, who are uh, purposing to do great things for you. Bless each family today as we leave this service. And Father, we give you praise in Jesus' name. And could I get God's people to give him a shout of praise like somebody just crossed the goal line? Now, come on, somebody. Let's praise the Lord. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listen to this teaching from God's Word. For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.